Uh, I think for the last couple of weeks, we've had Andrew speaking, I think once on video, once live last week, talking about crazy busy. Is that right? He's talking about how we handle all of uh, the crazy busyness of life, strip it back, handle some of the, the real pressures in life, uh, issues of trying to work out what priorities are. How many people struggle with just trying to get the priorities right in life? Uh, I, I certainly do, trying to get me into the right balance. Uh, I guess primarily is how do I get the relationship with God sorted? I remember talking to an elderly lady in, in Eastbourne who actually came from Seaford called Audrey, who I think in, well, she's kind of in a, I don't know how old Audrey is. She's always appeared to be very old. So, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, she said, you know, I would not be able to fit everything in unless I spent my time with God in the morning. And there's this sense of getting the priorities right in life, uh, pri- priorities of how you continue to build, uh, if, if you're married with your spouse, relationship. Uh, in family life, different pressures in life. I see like babies here, and I see babies on the way here, and, and I see older babies who are a bit bigger, and, and different stages in life. And uh, I remember a time that uh, we went along to a conference at uh, one time, and uh, one of the guest speakers w- was talking about when they had children, they utilized the time from having children to, in that downtime, to write a book. <laughs> And, and Blinda's comment was she couldn't even write a shopping list during that time, never mind a book. And because of the pressures that are on in different stages of life, uh, we have two teenage, uh, well, 19 and 17 now, and you're going, do you know what, the pressures change, you know, pressures are still there. How to parent a 19-year-old who's kind of not living with us and how to continue our responsibility and how we, uh, you know, Beth, our daughter, 17, who, you know, how, how do we continue to parent her as she's growing and developing in terms of her own life and her own calling in God and everything like that? Precious. How do we handle those things? How do we get the balance of it all? How do we handle work and career? And uh, the finances, financial pressures upon us. How we handle that, getting the right balance which in all of that must also include rest and recovery. Uh, I think sometimes we, we probably need to hear that more in terms of getting the pressures in life, is that we need to take time off, we need to switch off, we need to switch off our iPads and our emails and our mobile phones, and we need to lock them away and uh, get rid of them, and I'm sure that there will be some people here who will be rejoicing the fact that, uh, if I was to say, you know, let's throw your husband's iPhone away, you'd be going, yes, because there, there is suddenly that pressure on us to be constantly available, constantly 24 hours a day, where it's work emails coming in, or Facebook messaging and uh, emails, and text messaging, text message comes in, if you don't reply within kind of three seconds, then the danger of offending people, and you know, sometimes we just need to switch off from all of that, and head off into recreation, head off into relaxation. So it's getting the priorities right, which I'm sure Andrew was commenting on last week in terms of the crazy busy. Uh, just in life, we've got to work out, get balance right, time off, switch off, head off, get the priorities in terms of relationships sorted as well. And on top of that, there's then also the needs of personal needs, importance of understanding yourself. Uh, I went on a kind of one of these management days one time and, and uh, spent money going along and did all these uh, personality profiling testing and things like that. And you come out and you go, oh, that's me. And there's an amazing revelation at the end of it going, oh, this is the sort of person I am. And Blinda just laughed because she said, you could have saved a lot of money. I could have told you that's exactly how you were. And, uh, but it's actually that discovery and understanding how you work, how you think, what you need in life. how you know, And sometimes that's going to be shaped by culture, sometimes by 
uh, your capacity, sometimes by your temperament, okay, just understanding the needs. I, I, we have a good friend called Toppy. Uh, Toppy's a Nigerian man, and he was told as a child you can have, uh, it was five jobs in life that you can do. Uh, you can either be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a pharmacist, you can run a business, and if all else fails, you become a church pastor. And... Um, so we were, uh, you know, it, so he became a church pastor and actually is a, a phenomenal church pastor, uh, just a remarkable job. But sometimes uh, understanding ourselves and getting into a right rhythm can be influenced by our cultural background, sometimes by the capacity, how long we can keep going, okay, some people are like a machine, keep going, other people are not like machines and occasionally you might need a few minutes just to have a break and sometimes we can be shaped and influenced by our temperament, how long can we keep going before we go cranky? Okay, that's probably a question that your spouse might be better, more equipped uh, to actually answer that. So there's a prioritizing, there's personal needs, and then in on this, there's performance as well. How am I doing? How am I doing in comparison to my peers? How successful am I being? Uh, Rick Warren uh, leads a, an amazing church called Willow Saddleback, sorry got confused, yeah, Saddleback, and uh, he said it's the, the number one pressure he finds in young church pastors is this pressure to, to see how they're doing in comparison to other church leaders. And that's not just in the church leadership realms, is that there's pressure upon us, is how are we performing in front of other people, how successful am I being? Uh, sometimes there's a real pressure on us to be something that actually we're not, and sometimes people get promoted into a position and you realize, actually, that's not the best position. It, it, there's a phrase, isn't there, an expression, is that people are promoted to the level of incompetence. Right? You keep going, oh, you're doing very well at that, well done. And then you go, okay, we're going to promote you. You're doing very well at that, well done, and we're going to promote you. And then you rubbish at it. Well, the problem is people stay in that bit feeling very frustrated, not achieving, not flourishing in it without, you know, and then it's kind of an issue of pride or whatever. So they say, do you know what? That isn't the level I should be involved in. I should be stepping back into the level where I best flourish. But the pressure on us is actually to be people who do perform. I came out uh, a few weeks ago uh, and said, I'm coming out of the closet. I am at heart a local church pastor. That is who I am. You know, that, that, that is what I am. Because there is a pressure and expectation in terms of leading the church and being part of the team and, and things like this, is that actually you should be aiming for something else. It's no, no, in my heart of who I am, that's actually who I am. That's actually the most comfortable place for me. It's the one where I get the most excitement, the one that I feel most called to. And you've got to translate that into your context and into your situation. But there is a pressure upon us in order to be performing. And I think one of the pressures within society, and Andrew may have mentioned this, is actually, it's the pressure to be extraordinary. We're living in a world that, you know, you have, it has to be awesome. Everything, everything that we do and everything that we are, it has to be bigger and better. Everything is awesome. Everyone has to be extraordinary. But the reality, that the, even the very name, the very word of being extraordinary is extraordinary if somebody's, it's out of the ordinary. Whereas actually we need to understand and to be honest, to celebrate the importance of being ordinary. Because we're living in a society today that kind of doesn't celebrate that. Huge influence and effect upon celebrity status or you know, people who grab the headlines. It's like, no, actually... 
we kind of need to get comfortable with the fact that maybe we just need to celebrate being ordinary. Now, my daughter heard this kind of a few weeks ago. She said, I don't want to be ordinary. You know, I, one thing I'm clear is that I'm not ordinary. You know, it's like, a, no, no, you, you're lovely and you're our daughter and we're very, very proud of you. But actually, sometimes in us, it's this celebrating the ordinary because there is a pressure on us to be extraordinary and we need to learn to rejoice in the ordinary. And there's this expressional phrase that I heard recently is live an average life in a beautiful way. Okay, it's a long walk of obedience in the same direction. And there'll be people in this room, and there's certainly people in the life of King's Church, like the lady I mentioned, Audrey, who for decades has just been walking in faithfulness and obedience to everything. That, that, you know, she's just living it out, an ordinary lady who's living in a very beautiful way. So in some ways, in this crazy busy world, I want to lift some of the pressure off. Because I don't think God wants us to be subject to that pressure. So it's about finding a place where we are feeling secure and comfortable in fulfilling what God is calling us to, not what others expect us to be. See, God has called us to be part of his plans and his purposes. And the beauty of that, he calls ordinary people and he catches us up in his extraordinary plans. So I want to look at a couple of verses uh, in a way that often, you'll know this in the life of kings, we'll get hold of a, a book in the Bible and we'll go from start to finish of it. I, actually, what I want to do is just jump around a little bit today and look at a couple of verses which just point out the importance of the ordinary. Okay? So the three points I want to make is live ordinary lives that honour the Father, live ordinary lives that reveal the Son, and live ordinary lives empowered by the Spirit. Okay, so the first passage I want to look in on, and hopefully the words will come up, which is on Romans chapter 12. This is actually going to read from the message translation. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you, is the best thing you can do for him. So kind of the inference of this verse is that take the ordinary things, the everyday part of your life, and treat it as worship to God. Live in such a way that honours the Father. It's the everyday stuff. The way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you walk, the way you work, the way you drive, the way you surf, the internet, the, just the way you do relationship. So your everyday bit of life, live that ordinary life in such a way that honours the Father. That's kind of what Paul is saying here. It's the ordinary stuff. So how are we sleeping, eating, working, walking in a way that honours God? Now, how do we conduct ourselves in our relationships? You know, we live in a world that's gone social media crazy. How are we conducting ourselves on Facebook and Twitter accounts? Who do you follow? How do you comment? I, I sometimes see people living out the life on Facebook. Uh, not often, because I have five friends. And most of those are family, and one was an accident. <laughs> Not the family, the friend. And, uh, but when I catch sight of other people and see people living out their life, I'm going, I don't think that's very honouring. I, I don't think it's honouring the Father. When people use of language and expressions of what they're saying and things that they're retweeting on or forwarding on or liking, and going, Do you know, it's in those little things in life it's doing those ordinary things that actually do it in such a way that honours the Father. We actually 
couple of years back when April the 1st coincided, I think, with a Sunday, we uh, actually advertised a position at the church for a full-time Facebook pastor. And uh, we had five applicants for it, which is, you know, it's quite funny. But how do we interact? How do we interact with people? How do we build relationships? Uh, how do I, as a parent, interact with my kids, even though they're kind of older now? How do I interact with my wife? Do I speak to her in such a way that if her dad was listening, he'd be pleased with how I was speaking? So I need to be able to speak to Belinda in such a way that my heavenly dad is pleased with how I speak with her. Uh, we recently visited friends who live in Guernsey, and and uh, Judith was just telling us that she'd, uh, her daughter had recently been married and she'd overheard a conversation between her husband uh, speaking to her daughter, so her new son-in-law speaking to her daughter, and she said, come on, you're absolutely gorgeous. And it just so pleased Judith overhearing that conversation because just the way in which he was cherishing and valuing his wife. So in the ordinary stuff, it's actually making decisions. It's just those little things. In the walking, in the sleeping, in the working, in the living. Those decisions, how we drive the car. <laughs> now, are we doing that in a way that, you know, no one else might see it. And, and the thing is, is, no one might see it. Th- those little decisions that, that people go, do you know what, but I've decided to pull back on the speed because it just honors the father. I'm designed to make this comment because it honours the Father, or not make a comment because it honours the Father. So it's those kind of little adjustments that we can make in life. And sometimes as Christians, we, we go, okay, we're walking down this, turn 180 degrees and walk completely the other way, which is what repentance is about. It's like walking the other way, walking towards God, walking away from your own, you know, kind of like your own life and turning around. But sometimes it's actually just making the, the one degree difference in life. It's just one degree. Because if, if you're setting a trajectory that you're heading off in this way, but you make a one-degree variation on that course, eventually you'll end up in a different place. And it's kind of like just making the small adjustments in life that hopefully end you up in a better place. Now, other people around might not immediately see that, but it's doing the ordinary things in such a way that honours the Father. I was at a prayer event uh, a week back, and um, a young guy called Dom said to me, he, he just felt as if God said this, let every decision, Graham, you make be an act of worship. Just make every decision. See it in such a way that this is, is a way which honours God, act of worship. You know, I was thinking this morning, just God's given this life. I, I believe that God has given me life. How am I looking after that life? How am I stewarding that life? If God has given me life, how am I living it? In, am I living it in such a way that it's actually pleasing to the one who's given it to me? Because a steward is someone who is actually acting on behalf of someone else. You, you are, uh, you know, if someone, if I was to say to Jez, look, here's a thousand pound. Look after that money. He's looking after it on my behalf. He's a steward of, of that, and that's a big challenge. It's actually how do we handle our finances and resources, and it's a huge challenge. But how do we handle our life? How do we live out our life? How do we steward the life that God has given to us in such a way that we live it to please God? You know, I'm so, so grateful for having Belinda alongside me. She just assists and helps in terms of in the life of the church hugely. And you know, sometimes she just deals with such 
difficult situations. You know, the, in the week, there's just the conversations that she has with people. People who've become Christians recently, I mean, make huge decisions in life. You know, there's one lady who was considering the idea of going through terminating a pregnancy. How do we steward life? And then later in that day, she was talking to another lady who was wanting to contemplate ending her life because she was terminally ill. And could she speed up the process? How do we steward life? God, help me to make decisions now in such a way that actually honours you. Stewardship. What is God speaking to me about and you about? What are we going to do about it? Because making small adjustments... Even if no one else notices, we know that God notices and in effect he's already pressed the like button, likes it. Be affirmed by him. Often we look for affirmation from others. Just be affirmed by the Father. Second point is live ordinary lives that reveal Jesus. So we've done ordinary lives that reveal the Father, live ordinary lives that reveal Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, remember our message is not about ourselves, we're proclaiming Jesus Christ the Master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. Now, I understand that people in Seaford... Uh, one of your favourite programmes in this community is the Antiques Roadshow. And uh, it's a slightly humorous comment, I was joking. <laughs> okay, but the Antiques Roadshow, if you've ever seen that, I, I, kind of like occasions that I've seen it, you just want those moments where someone thinks it's worth like a million pounds and it's a fake, or, or the opposite of that, they think it's rubbish and it's worth a million pounds. You kind of like those moments, it's everything in between that is a bit boring. But there was a few years ago that, uh, in 2010, uh, somebody had taken a car along to the Antiques Roadshow and uh, they told a backstory to this car. This car, some of you will remember, it was a Sunbeam Talbot 90. Okay? I have no idea what this I've got a picture of one on my notes here. But uh, this old car, which he'd bought it off an old farmer. The farmer had sold it to him and the farmer previously had just carried pigs around to the market on the back seat. But the person who bought it had realised there was something important and special about this vehicle because of the registration plate, and the registration plate was pinned to a moment back in 1967 in the Monte Carlo rally when Sterling Moss won that particular rally. And because of the attachment of Sterling Moss to the vehicle, it was now worth £50,000. What Paul was saying when he wrote to the church in Corinth is that us in our ordinary, unadorned, unkind of like... not particularly looking special because of the attachment of Jesus as great value. In ourself, you might not think there's actually anything remarkable. Paul, he said he was unremarkable. In effect, we are unremarkable, but we've been entrusted with this amazing message. And the way in which we live out our ordinary lives actually is going to point people towards Jesus. So Paul, when he was writing to this church in Corinth, he went on to say this, you know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. Okay, you might think that is true of yourself, or you might think it's true of the person next to you. That, that we're not much to look at. Okay? But we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. 
We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. You see, we get to reveal the hope that we have in the gospel. It's actually particularly in the moments which are difficult and dark and hard to work out. It's particularly in those moments. Why? Because people in the world who don't have a hope in terms of God's gospel don't understand how we can still have faith or still have hope. And so it's actually in the darker moments of life that we can kind of go, do you know what, I'm still holding on, I'm still clinging on. In, in, in the illnesses, in the cancers, in the terminal issues that are going on, in the hard financial moments, it's, it's actually in those moments that we get to reveal Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. He said, look, you know, this great treasure that was in you gets, to, gets, gets seen. People see it, especially in those hard times. So some of you will remember a chap called Andy Carter, who sadly died a couple of years back. And he was part of this church. And we're praying hard for him, we're praying hard. And, you know, there was, he died of cancer in the throat, which kind of then got through his body. But I remember in the, in the months leading up to his death, he said, I'm not going to let this cancer go to waste. That's his phrase. He said, I'm not going to let it go to waste. There's a lady that believed myself, as I said, well, eight months back, I can't remember now. A lady in her 30s. Uh, she had a tough life riddled with ill health and then a few years back she was diagnosed with cancer in the spine but we remember visiting her actually just days before she died and the faith and the hope that she had was remarkable and, and she was still telling the nurses and the carers and she said no it's okay I, I know where I'm going I know I've got a better day ahead of me because she was able to reveal just like Paul was saying, in his own remarkable life, we get to reveal the hope that we have in Jesus, especially in the tough times, in the difficult moments. And it's kind of like trusting in God. I, I guess you might have watched a video last week of Ruth and James and the decisions that they were making about when they were having, uh, you know, through the pregnancy. And if we make this decision, then it could, they're having twins. And then if we make this decision, it could result in the death of one, the death of both. And, you know, there was a 30% chance of one would die. There's a 30% chance that both would die, 30% chance that neither would die. And it's like having to make decisions in those. And they just say, God, please help us in the middle of these tough old times. So let's look to see how we can live ordinary lives that reveal Jesus in the everyday Ordinary people carrying extraordinary hope, modeling a hope that we have ultimately in Jesus. And that'll be how we bring up the kids, how we face financial hardships, how we deal with illness, how we cope with loss. When bad stuff happens, it's in those times, God, help me please to live in such a way that still reveals Jesus to others. So then the final point is this. Live ordinary lives empowered by the Spirit. So the backstory: story, uh, this great event called Pentecost happened. Presence of God came. Uh, the followers of Jesus were filled with the power and the presence of God. And uh, Peter had stood up and preached a sermon, and thousands of people had responded. The following day, they, they, they walk off to the temple, everyday ordinary stuff. And on the way, they bumped into an everyday, ordinary kind of situation, uh, a, a, a paralyzed man begging, and uh, held out his hand and asked for money. 
looking for support and Peter and John said, look, we have no money, but what we do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man got up and walked and started jumping around and praising God, which understandably attracted quite a crowd. And they gathered in and Peter then preaches again. And he says 5,000 people were added. Now the church was 5,000, so thousands more responded to this message. And the religious leaders of the day really didn't appreciate what was going on, this, you know, what, what was taking place here. And so they had them arrested. It was late in the day, thrown into prison. The following day, Peter and John had to come and give them an account for themselves in front of the religious leaders. And it says this in verse 5 of chapter 4 of Acts. The next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem. And the rulers and the religious leaders and the religious scholars, Annas the chief priests, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. And they stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing these things? And with that, Peter, look at that key verse in here, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. Rulers, leaders of the people, if we've been brought to your trial today for helping a sick man, but under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you, we have nothing to hide. And then, actually, in a few verses in between, it uh, goes on to explain, again, uh, the gospel. And then, verse 12, they couldn't take their eyes off them. This is religious leaders. Couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John, standing there, so confident, so sure of themselves, their fascination de- deepened when they realized these two were laymen and with no training in Scripture or any formal education. Another translation of that verse says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men. I, I imagine we're in a room here, many of us will pretty much feel unschooled and ordinary. And yet, filled with the Spirit, people have been in the presence of Jesus, it kind of makes a difference. Uh, we have a team, I think some of you have been a part of, the, the, the Freedom Team, uh, Freed for Purpose. We just love looking into the history back stories of people's lives and saying, come on now, let's line this up with what Jesus now says about you. Let's not have those things overshadow you from the past. Let's walk into all the identity and the freedom that God gives you now. The people on that team, it was a comment that Belinda made recently to me, it's just ordinary people being used in extraordinary ways. Because they're hearing from God, they're speaking into people's lives, people are getting liberated and set free and able to walk, and it's just ordinary people. Not great scholars, not great theologians, not kind of like great anointing has come upon them, it's just ordinary people who work in gardener's books and who work as teaching assistants. Ordinary people being used in an extraordinary way. So it's living the ordinary life, but taking the opportunities when they come along. So the power of God had come at Pentecost and revealing his purposes to go out into the world to make disciples. The reason for the power was to propel forward the gospel. And we saw that in Acts chapter 2, we see that 3,000 added. Then we just could read in that chapter 4, 5,000 people were added. And then the next chapter along in the book of Acts is that more people than ever were being added. And then in chapter 6, it says that they multiplied greatly. There was exponential growth that was taking place. And it actually just wasn't the numbers that was taking place. It was nations that were being affected. So the first few chapters of the book of Acts, I think the first chapters 1 to 6, is all about life in Jerusalem. From verse uh, 7 through to 10, it's about spreading out from there to Judea and Samaria. Uh, On from that, 11 through to 15, it's about the gospel going out into Turkey, into Asia Minor. 
Uh, Greece and Europe was in chapter 16 through to 27, and the book of Acts closes in chapter 28. If there was the sequel, Acts 29 onwards, you would look to see how the gospel has then spread out much, much further away. His church, his people, exists primarily to be people who are bringing the very presence of God into situations where people have never experienced that. Ordinary, unschooled people taking everyday, ordinary opportunities. Ordinary opportunities. So Belinda will often will say something along the lines of, oh, I'm just nipping out for 10 minutes. Three hours later, she comes back, because that ordinary little trip to Tesco's at the end of our road suddenly becomes an encounter moment where she bumps into someone and ends up praying or talking or sharing the gospel or it's just taking the ordinary. See, the, our ordinary lives can honour the Father. Our ordinary lives can reveal Jesus. Our ordinary lives perhaps are opportunities that the Spirit can work with us and catch us up in his plan and purpose. We can get caught up in God's plan if we're open, in the ordinary. And there's something about the presence of God and something about being filled with his spirit and there's a lot about being in the presence of Jesus which actually has a huge impact on that. But what we sometimes see is the mundane. Sometimes what we see is even inconvenient actually might be a divine moment where God wants to partner with us in order to reveal his love. So in the long queue that you're having to wait for, or in the train delay, or in the cancelled plane, or whatever it is. It's in the ordinary, sometimes inconvenient moments in life that I actually say, God, is this an opportunity here where I want to be open to your spirit? So it's the ordinary stuff that matters. It's the ordinary. It's making a difference in the ordinary. Live ordinary lives that honour the Father. Those small decisions that bring pleasure. Those everyday acts of worship. To live ordinary lives that reveal the Son, particularly in the pressure moments, to say, God, let not this opportunity go to waste to reveal something, the hope in Jesus. And finally, it's living ordinary lives that are empowered by the Spirit, that with people, do you know what? Let me take the opportunity to ask the question, God, are you doing something here? I kind of play my part in it. Celebrate the ordinary. Let me stand together. <coughs> Sometimes at the beginning of New Year's, I know we're well into January now, that there is a, a pressure or an expectation upon the preacher to be kind of like, come on, let's take the world and see massive transformation and stuff. I, I, I just feel that the way we've gone into this new year about handling pressure and getting priorities right, and actually even today about getting the ordinary, working in the ordinary. So we make the difference in the ordinary. And so let's just pray. <coughs> hmm. it's just wait on God hmm. thank you Lord that it's we don't have to feel the pressure of having to be extraordinary thank you that you're not putting that pressure on us you're not asking us to perform You don't want us having to compare ourselves with 
our contemporaries. How am I doing? Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to look for affirmation because we've already been affirmed by you. Lord, I want to pray for, the, for us. Uh, just those little decisions in life that we know, even now, that your spirit is just saying, I want you to make a one-degree change right there. And actually let everyone how I speak to my wife or my kids or how I handle my money. Just those little decisions in life. I pray that we'll make those little decisions. Not so that we'll look good. So that we honor you. So you hear me talk to my wife like I would want my wife's father to get pleasure from me. That I'll handle my resources in such a way that it'll put a big smile on your face. How I handle my money. How I handle my life. That you're just there nodding in the background going, do I like what you're doing in that ground? I know no one else has seen it. I see it. It pleases me. Lord, I want to pray into this whole middle section about revealing Jesus. And I guess there's, in a congregation like this, there's going to be people who are facing real difficult moments. And some of it will be down to illness, some of it will be down to other pressures, sometimes it will be down to the confusion of what's going on in life. God, I pray now that you put a sense of purpose even in that, that we would reveal Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help people who are facing the, the sickness and the cancers. Say, God, I don't want this cancer to, to go to waste. Uh, for the financial struggles, God, I pray, I pray for your supernatural release of your resources. But I also pray that in the middle of this, people are going to, you know what? I'm going to hold on to a hope I have in God is the one who has promised that he will supply my needs. For people who are kind of feeling that uh, relationships are dead and broken and irrecoverable, Lord, I pray that you come and you bring recovery. But even at this moment, I pray that you give people hope. Help us to reveal Jesus. In those pressure moments of life, where we kind of want to scream or we want to shout, or we want to cry. God, I pray that you help us in those difficult moments to be clinging onto you and trusting you. And Lord, I want to pray that we take the opportunities. I pray for the average conversations at supermarkets and the ordinary bumping into people at the petrol station. God, I ask you, please, would you, would we, take those moments to ask the question is this an ordinary situation that we can partner with you and you've brought us into this queue or you've brought us into this traffic or you've brought us into this situation because we want to be open to what the spirit is doing help us not to overlook some of those ordinary things and actually see them as 
extraordinary opportunities for you. Father, I want us to celebrate the ordinary because I believe that honors you. Help us to live ordinary lives in a beautiful way that reveals more of your son. And help us to live in such a way that we bring hope to a world that is really messed up at this moment. We ask you, O God, that we partner with you in the name of Jesus. Amen.